This week's episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audio tapes or film rules that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVGearGuy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention the Screenwriter's Rant Room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com. I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Rant Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest. You guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, you guys? Wakanda forever! Wakanda! <laughs> you know how we're doing on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Little disclaimer, Chris Derrick is out today. He's uh he's got a bunch of shit going on, so he might he might be working on another show. So we'll see if that gets going for him. So I'm like, go get that money. Don't forget my 10% though. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> but of course, hey Lisa, are you on mute? I think you are. Oh, sorry. I was are gonna you? say you need to up that up to 18% now for inflation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got Lisa Lisa Cult Jam, the original L Boogie in the house. What's up, Lisa? Yes, good. Just, you know, hanging in there, doing a lot of reading. And like I said, pre- prepping to go down to cross the border. Because, you know, I'm only like literally. Oh, now what? she froze. Oh, she's stuck in the Matrix. <laughs> it's going to be one of them days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, so. We lost they, for a second. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah. So like the connection's lost. Yeah, you said you're going that. somewhere. You going? Yeah, to- yeah, yeah. Going down to going down to to Mexico, mm-hmm. and like I said, I'm like literally like eight minutes away. Um, actually five minutes, four minutes if there's no traffic, because like it's literally I can like stand on my mom's balcony and see beach far in the distance, and then you can see like the border literally. So uh-huh. I have some friends. I have some friends that have been living there for like the last twenty some odd years, and they've been trying mm-hmm. to get me to come move down there for years. Because it's, you know, it's right across the border, it's near the beach, and they have everything that you need. And um, 
nothing happens to black people down there because I know people always think, oh, the drug war. I do. Honey, look, listen, <laughs> listen and you ain't, you, ain't, you ain't heard of man, one black person being kidnapped or done for nothing. They say, don't bother us down there. Man. Man, black person. Okay, so black person. So, this, this, so, and, and 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 honestly, this country is driving me nuts. So I need I need a mental break, <laughs> and to just kind of go and be someplace where I can actually not wear a mask and kind of like sit there and like take in some cool breezes, get my mental right, get some more reading done, and just you know, get geared up because y'all stuff is about to pop off in november so then we got we got my homeboy on the team uh emerging writer richard scott on the in the in the building what's going on boss how are you uh, you know just uh yeah big week coming up i think yeah and, good. Uh, trying to get ready for that and then just gonna cook and a pan sear some uh cod steaks with um some sun-dried tomato. He is the roast roast romantic motherfucker. I know. I know. It's like we don't we don't we don't fry up stuff. We're going to okay, pan sear it. <laughs> Not fry. Pan sear. Okay. Let me get Stacy said she coming too. Where you at? No, because like I don't go to restaurants like because of the pandemic. So I just want I think for me, that's one of the skills I've really been able to improve on is just cooking. Like I want to, you know, women not cooking and cleaning in 2020, you know, so you got to do it for yourself. Well, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get to the show. See, that's why I have coffee over my shoulder. Okay. With the sawed-off shotgun ready, yeah, okay? <laughs> Somebody uh, cooking in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just set the egg down on the ground so she okay. the egg and get cooked, right? <laughs> 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 Stacey, you got to steal that. That's a scene right there. That's a scene. Oh my That's a scene. Oh, this is a scene. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> so let's welcome to the show, everybody, our big sis who we love way back. One of the OGs in the building right here. Yes. Stacey Evans Morgan. You guys, if you don't know, now you know. You know. Okay. You need okay. to know. Okay. You have seen her everywhere. You've been doing shit. Your brother's been doing shit. Shout out to Bentley Kyle Evans himself yeah. out there. Just signed a new deal to do Jamie Foxx. Okay, yeah. again. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's he shooting right now. They're wow. back. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. I forget your brother could write a whole fucking script in a night anyway. So it don't. He, he be turning turn this shit around quick. He's <laughs> He, we both have mastered the art of writing really good, but you know what? It's not just writing really quick. It has to be good though. Yes, <laughs> right. For sure. Right. Okay, right. do that. So. Speak yeah. true. Yeah. Speak true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, let's go back to your story, um, Stacey. Well, first of all, it's what? a pleasure to finally be in the room. I know. Look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get to rant. Okay. Okay. Please do rant, okay. baby. Rant. I've known you since 2012. When you came into when Bentley and I hosted in the writers' room, yep, I remember that. So yep. it's been a pleasure. Tell, tell everybody what that was because that shit was amazing. 
Well, so, okay, so in the right, so 2012, so after the writer's strike in, in 2007, you know, half hour TV had kind of gone away, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the networks, they were all doing reality show and drama right. and not a lot of half hour TV. And we were just trying to do something to keep people motivated, to keep ourselves motivated, mm -hmm. to try to, you know, generate new work. Um, we had already, you know, Bentley came up with the idea to do this original show, Love That Girl. Mm -hmm. And so after that, we, we were sitting in the writer's room one day and I said, you know what, this would be really dope if we could just invite people into the writer's yeah. room. And so he was like, well, we, we can't invite everybody to come into the writer's room. <laughs> and I was like, well, what if we do uh, like a workshop, like a, I'm big on workshops. Yeah. I mean, you guys were one of the first to do it like the way y'all did it though. Yeah. So we, so I was talking about, let's do a four week workshop. He was like, nah, <laughs> I was like, okay, let's do it in a weekend. So we did right. the two day workshop and we put an ad on KJLH and kind of did some social media, um, you know, advertising. And as you saw, it was standing room only. Blew up the question, right? Yeah. And um, Yvonne so, Orgy, everybody was in the building. Yvonne right? Orgy was our mass mistress of ceremony, and I, actually, she pitched in front of you guys and got yeah. got the chance to write an episode. But it was just it was just our way of we wanted to kind of just pay it forward and share the knowledge, you know. Um, in this business, a lot of times people feel like there's like this secret, there's this big secret to breaking in, and we wanted to just kind of just dispel that myth and say, yeah. no, all it takes is you're not right. That's what you're writing. You got to network and you got to make sure your stuff is tight. And so that's what we did. And it was a great two day thing. And then we did it again at CBS. Yeah. I don't even know how we got on CBS's lot. That's hilarious to me. We ended that's up hilarious. CBS. That's the word got around. Well, you know, now, you know, I'm big on picking up the phone and, and call. I think it, oh, I know what it was. It was, um, OBS had really helped us. Right. Organization of Black. Jennifer. Yes. So I think she had that hookup. And so we had another two-day workshop at um, CBS Radford, another standing room only situation. Um, after that, we went to Howard University. So we took in the right, right room on the road yes. to Howard yes. University. And I mean, even makes me proud because every one of those workshops you know, a lot of those writers have gone on to do big things. I just recently connected with a writer. I don't know if she's a writer yet, but she's a writer's assistant, but she's on Lovecraft. Lovecraft oh, yeah. met her while she was still a student at Howard. So it just makes me feel like God, mama, yeah. you know, makes me feel proud to see, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and and Lisa and I both both relate to that because we were teaching at OBS okay. you know, back then in those days, you know there what I mean? Know. Yeah, so for sure we relate. We we've seen all of our kids, if you will, grow yeah. up. Like yeah. some past us. Like we love it. Like oh, yes. yeah. Sure. So I didn't mean to get all off on the workshop. Oh, no, thing. that's all good. But that was a pinnacle point for us. So mm -hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, like <laughs> so where where are you guys from, and how did you guys get into the game in the first place? So we are both from Los Angeles, born and raised, and. <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> Bentley, Bentley, no, it's not. But Bentley claims Oakland because he was born in Oakland, but he was my mom in. We were in Oakland when he was born. Right. But I'm born and raised. I was born at Kaiser Sunset. Okay. Yeah, wow. I was Justin, right on Sunset. Okay. Yeah. But 
So were all the other black babies in LA. We were born in, <laughs> <laughs> in Los Angeles, but born and raised, we you know, grew up in the View Park, Windsor Hills area. Shout out to View Park, Windsor Hills. Um, you know, blessed to have a really well-rounded family. Our parents, you know, still married to all after all these decades. And they were very supportive of us doing this thing. You know, we both did took different routes after I got out of college. I went to USC. After I got out of college, I busted my butt and tried to get through the doors any way I could. Um, my first job, literally my first paid job was working at Paramount Pictures, mm. working as an assistant to an assistant casting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, that's okay, just open okay. up the door. Open yes, up yes, the door. Yes. <laughs> the man next to the man, no, no, next no. to the man. <laughs> so, and then Bentley kind of took a different route. I'm sure you'll have him on the room, so he oh, can yeah, tell. Definitely. He'll tell his story, but he started off more as an uh, actor and a PA and things of that sort. But we both grew up in LA. We are we are not affected by Hollywood, so I think a lot of people locate relocate here to find themselves or to rediscover themselves or to break into the industry and we just folks we just real folks <laughs> you know we've had everybody over at our house when martin first you know broke out and and this was before bentley was even writing for his show before his show was even created folks mm. would come over to our house on a sunday they could get some greens and some hot water cornbread yes, yes. My mama gonna tell you off just like she's like <laughs> so, you know, I love it. I love it. Real down to earth, but um, yeah, I think we both were always destined to be in this business. I mean, as early back to getting the first video camera, one of those big clunky, mm -hmm. we took that as opportunities. We didn't even know what a sketch show was, mm -hmm. but we would just invite friends over and let's. Let's do some, we didn't call them sketches. We didn't know what they were. Let's just mm -hmm. do these funny mm -hmm. things. And we would turn the family room into our studio. And, nice. you know, we didn't know, but obviously Destiny was calling us. And he was holding his directing skills and didn't even know it either. <laughs> exactly. Wow. I mean, I was casting. He, I was directing. <laughs> he was directing. Wow. We were taking my mom. My mother would just stick her head in the room like, y'all put my shades back on my lamps when you're done with <laughs> So we had people holding up the lamps, yes. <laughs> you know, holding up lamps, and and we didn't know we moving the couches around, but we were just having fun. But we didn't know that that was maybe a foretaste of what was to come. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I love about you and your brother. I know I'm talking about you and your brother a lot. Forgive me. But sometimes we think of, sometimes we think about. I think of you guys together all the time. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I love is I know we're we're jumping a little bit is that I come from the indie world and now I'm in the you know the studio network world, but because I for years I made my living you know in the indie world you know for for years, and one of the and one of the reasons why is partly because of you guys, because what? I saw how you guys were not waiting for Hollywood. You were like fuck Hollywood. Look, we're going to find some investors. We're right. going to shoot this thing, and we're going to sell it to some network somehow, and we're going to be in charge. And green so light that's been out. my goal Yeah, okay. since day one to do. So since 2009, I've produced 28 projects. You know what I mean? And all different pilots, all kind of different things. You know what I mean? And now it's made me a strong producer, you wow. know, in the indie world. So when I move over to the network world, 
even though it doesn't see that I have a bunch of network experience, when they talk to me and they go, oh yeah, he can run the show actually, I see. You know what I mean? So that's what I've learned to do partly because of you. Watch you guys, every time I turn around, you got another show you guys just sold and made independently and then the network bought it. You know, I was like, see, that's that's, that's the key. Don't wait for it. You're about to make me tear up in this. (laughs) That's real talk. Wow. Lisa, no. Rich, no. That's yeah, real. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's real. That's yeah. Okay. I have not. I'm speechless. That's wow. Well, God bless see, you. See, see, Stacey, you never know who's watching. And that's one of the things I always tell people, even in the writing world or teacher or anything like that, when you're doing your thing, yes. you don't realize the seeds that you're planting for other exactly. people. Absolutely. And a lot of times you might get frustrated, like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I want to give up. But what you have to realize that there are people watching yeah. and they're learning all the time. So you have to keep doing your thing and, and kind of just understand that the, the, the newbies are following behind you. And even when you feel like you want to give up, you just don't realize that you've got these little seedlings that have sprouted because of you. Yeah. You know? Wow. Well, that's well. I'm not giving up now. They, you know, <laughs> you're like, I'm just getting started. Look. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not, and it, there's more to come. You know, the scriptures say your ladder shall be your greater. So I'm, I'm, hey, the best is yet to come. So I'm really excited about that, and I'm honored to hear that hill because you know you were a dynamic spirit from the moment I met you, and then when I would see you at some of the uh, writers guild, the black, you know, the black committee of black writer meetings. I mean, it made me so proud to see you there. I was like. Okay, he went. I don't even know what you did. I don't. I don't know all the credits, <laughs> but I know that you are a hustler, and that's yes, what I love for sure. And that's for what sure. you got to be in this business. You have to be honest. You have to have integrity, mm-hmm. but you have to hustle. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't care how many credits you have. My IMDb page is nowhere near updated. It needs to be seriously updated. Agreed. Yeah. So I keep, uh, you know, I always have my own list of credits to send out. And I've been very blessed with the work that I've done, but I've hustled. (laughs) You know, my, my, uh, my I story, I hustled in the very beginning. I, you know, yeah. So anyway, I'll let you ask me. me, Let me ask you a question. So I was just talking to some producers, actually some, some executives about this the other day. Mm -hmm. We were talking about, <clears throat> we're talking about black writers, you know, and the difficulty because for them, everybody's focus is the younger writers, right? No offense, Rich. They're always talking about younger writers. We're all in the habit of baby writers, younger writers, blah, 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 blah. We almost always say that. Now we're using the, the term emerging writers, meaning all encompassing, right? Right, right. And so what I was talking about was I said, you know, one thing that people forget? Oh, I know what it was. The white exec- executive was talking about how difficult it was for them to overcome some things even as a white writer and I was listening right as as white writers and I said and how difficult it was oh I know what it was they were going from animation to drama mm-hmm. and I was listening to this conversation going and I said you know what that compares to he said what I said friends of mine who used to work on Moesha and the Parkers and a bunch of other shows back in the 90s mm-hmm. and now they can't fucking work Mm-hmm. They have to completely either reinvent themselves as a drama writer now or in some other thing yep. or, you know what I mean, or take a lower level job on another show that's white. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even though they're co-EPs on said show. Yeah. You know, it's still today. Right. Yeah. Right. You know? right. Right. 
Yeah, you got to have, well, first of all, you got to have good representation that's going to fight for you and you got to fight for yourself as well. But yeah, you're right. I mean, <clears throat> in the comedy world, it tends to lean towards younger writers. And but there are opportunities for re-emerging writers as well. Right. But a lot of my colleagues have switched, made the switch over to drama. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if it's more. I don't know. I don't know why that is. Um, I myself want to do some drama at some point in my life. Mm -hmm. I love comedy so much. I do, especially. During these times that we're in right now, people need to laugh right. like never before. And I love to laugh. I love to make people laugh. I love to make people think. Mm -hmm. um, I like provocative stories. And um, at the end of the day, I want I like people to feel good. So that's mm -hmm. why I, I think I just stay in this lane in comedy and animation too. I'm an animation mm -hmm. has opened. We'll right. talk about that in a little bit. Sure. Um, that's a beautiful thing. But, um, you know, there is ageism, but I think there are, there's this focus now to really dig a little bit deeper to find those writers of color, you know, um, you know, writers who were working way back in the day. So right. I think there's opportunities, especially with streaming, with these streaming networks and things of that sort. And yeah. again, I'm sure you'll have Bentley on the show at a later date, but mm -hmm. he'll, tell you, he'll tell you his story. Oh, that definitely. He felt after Jamie Foxx um, that people weren't looking at him anymore, that he mm -hmm. was done. Wow. He's my brother. And mm -hmm. I never even heard him say that until recently. Mm -hmm. I never heard him admit that. But he really felt like, yeah, you know, um, the door had pretty much closed on him. And now look at him, you know, 20 right. years, and he's right. on Netflix now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, creating a whole new lane for himself. So that's right. a great thing. And so, yeah. That's crazy. What, what, was your, what was your first break and how did you get it? So the very first thing I wrote was a stage play. And that's when I knew that I wanted to do this thing. I was about 24 years old. I was temping at Motown. <laughs> <laughs> I was working at Motown and typing, typing my scenes while I was at the desk. <laughs> but I knew when I, and I wrote and directed that play. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was the bug that bit me. I was like, okay, this thing right here, the page to the stage. Mm -hmm. That's me. I love it. Um, and then after that, I ended up getting a job with um, Yvette Lee. Yeah, Bowser. Yvette yeah. Bowser now. She was Yvette Denise Lee back then. Yeah, right. Yes. And she had a pilot called My Girls, and she invited mm -hmm. me to come work with her on that. And I and that show ended up becoming Living Single. Yes, so for, the whole, for the whole first season of Living Single was mind blowing the entire season because it was just a beautiful thing to um, see this black woman who was my age. I think she's a year younger than me, creating the show about us, about right, right. Four, you know, black educated, you know, fun women navigating right. life through their single life and and. You know, so I knew I could do it. But prior to that, I had had other experiences as well. I'm not even despising my humble beginnings because sure. that's 
you have to do. I, I worked. I mean, I worked as a, like I said, I worked as an assistant to an assistant. Mm -hmm. Get that job. I worked in casting for about three years and I thought mm -hmm. I was going to be the next Ruben Cannon mm -hmm. or Robbie Reed. And then, yeah, yeah. and then, um, kind of took a detour and started taking PA jobs and, and other jobs and working as assistants to producers. And I worked in development for, uh, for a producer, had a deal at Columbia pictures, mm -hmm. television back in the day, <clears throat> reading scripts. And again, that thing was calling me. I was like, I can do this. <laughs> I was reading. I was like, mm -mm. so I, I was like, I could do this. Um, and so then uh, fast forward, I ended up taking a job working at KCAL Channel 9, where I worked in programming. And um, the programming director, their idea of programming for Black History Month was like digging it in the vaults and putting on every Black movie that they had in the vaults. Yeah. Spring back roots. Yeah. <laughs> I wish not even that deep. Talk about like house party or something yeah. like that. And I was, like, I was in a meeting one day and I remember I said, you know what? Hey, I have an idea to maybe do some fresh, something fresh for the network. And it was basically, I had this idea called people with a vision and they were going to be these 30 second vignettes where they were just profiles of black people beyond Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. It was like, yeah. let's get into who Garrett A. Morgan is and all yeah. these different, you know, Wilma Rudolph, let's tell these stories. Right. right. And I, Lo and behold, they said, yeah, okay, well, you can produce it. I was like, cool. <laughs> so that was my first producer credit on TV. And, and the, the um, network got behind it because now their sales department, they were able to get behind it and mm -hmm. uh, attach some advertisers. And they turned them into these one-minute spots. Mm -hmm. Well, I ended up getting nominated. You know, the network right. got nominated for some awards. I got nominated for some awards. After that, I worked on another show for that same network called Fresh. It was a youth programming show, and I got my first Emmy nomination. And that was wow. 20. I was you, 20. See you, that out? you see how she threw that out my first? Oh, I yeah, heard that first. There will be more, but yes, that yes. was my Emmy nomination. So, so I had had these credits, and then when Yvette reached out to me, I worked with her on the pilot, and then she said, "Well, do you want to work on the show?" I was like, "Uh, yeah." She's like, <laughs> "Okay, wait, you have producer wait, credits." Wait, I was wait, like, wait, "Wait, were you on the phone with her, Stacey, or were you just kind of chilling?" And she goes, "Yeah." So you want to like want to work on this? You know, like not knowing, beknownst to you guys, this iconic show that is like transformed, you know, black television okay, or was it, you know, were you just kind of like sipping tea or? <laughs> no, I had just worked with her on the pilot. So working with her on the pilot was just like a month, right? right, right. So then when the show got picked up, she, I guess, gave me the first right of refusal to work as her assistant. Mm -hmm. And I think she thought, well, you have producer credits. Are you sure you want to? I was like, Oh, hello? Yes, because we had not seen this. Girlfriends yeah. was nowhere to be. We had not seen this. Yeah. Black women, single women, you know, sharp and intelligent, and mm -hmm. we hadn't seen that. I was like, oh no, I'm about to be a part of this history, right. this history. I'm about to right. be a part. Of this. Right. <laughs> I worked, worked with her, and and during that time, I really got to see, you know, how these scripts were really being written and I got to learn and I even wrote a really crappy spec 
you know, sample giraffe of living single. And she gave me, you know, really hard notes on that. And it was good because it helped me to grow. After that first season, I ended up taking a detour and moving to D.C. I got an opportunity to work as a producer for BET. They had a new division that they were starting up called uh, syndication, mm -hmm. uh, special projects for syndication. And this was my Mary Tyler Moore moment. I was like, I was born and raised in LA. So I, I, I always wanted to move to the East Coast at some point. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting any younger. And this opportunity is here. I'm going for it. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I went. And it was amazing experience. And it was what, um, you know, I became a producer on several shows. We got another Emmy nomination. Hello. Mm -hmm. And then, um, um, but my personal life, you know, just navigating life, living in D.C. and being this single woman and everything like that. It was shaping and forming me as a writer. Mm -hmm. um, even then, I had had a book published while I was there. My first book of poetry. I mean, I was building these layers, right. which ultimately build story. Right. Build story. Right. And um, so I was there for about two and a half years and then I was at home and this show came on Moesha mm -hmm. and I saw palm trees and Christmas <laughs> and I was homesick. I was like, yeah. I, was ready. <laughs> I was homesick. I was ready. You know, I knew I was kind of ready to go back home and I was the screenwriting thing was calling me. Mm -hmm. And Shortly after that, my brother had the deal at Warner Brothers to create the Jamie Foxx show. Mm -hmm. And he ended up, he was interviewing writers. And I remember he called me one day. He's like, man, you got to get back here. He's like, I'm not meeting enough black female writers who are, you know, on different levels. Mm -hmm. A lot of the writers that I know, they're already working and stuff. And I was like, you're right. You know, like, the big thing was for me, I reached out. I was, I was always a credit watcher. Who's right? Who are these names? Who's watching the shows? Mm -hmm. When people tell me that they see my name and they've seen my name in the credit, it still makes me kind of mm -hmm. weird, you know, feel weird. But it's like, I understand because I was mm -hmm. a credit watcher. And I saw this name on Moesha, Sarah Finney. She's yes. something now. And I don't know why I just reached out to Sarah as opposed to Vita Spears or to Ralph Farquhar, but mm -hmm. Sarah. I think it was God. He said, call, reach out to Sarah. I <laughs> sent Sarah a cop. I, 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 now, one thing I was never afraid of was just reaching out because all people can say is no. Right. Or go. Right. Right. It was just words. And right. so I reached out to Sarah, sent her a copy of my book, and I said, hey, Sarah, <laughs> I introduced myself. And I said, I'm going to be coming back to LA soon. I would love the opportunity to meet with you and, you know, just glean from your experience, blah, blah, blah. Do you know, two weeks later, I get a phone call from Sarah. She was mm -hmm. in the room. She goes, hey, I got your book. I look forward to meeting you when you get back. I had no plans to, I mm -hmm. no plans to move back. As soon as I hung up that phone, I called my mother and my father. I said, mom, dad, I'm moving back home. I'm moving back to LA. <laughs> get my room ready. Okay, <laughs> get my room ready. <laughs> I was like, look, and you know, people say, call me when you get to town. Right. You know, Hollywood, people That's do right. that. Right. Don't always follow, follow through. I'm not that person. Sarah was not that person. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when I moved back to LA, she literally made good on her word. She took me out to lunch and basically became my mentor and eventually was inviting me to come in and pitch for Moesha. None of my stories got bought, mm -hmm. but I was just felt like I was a part of the process now, right? Mm -hmm. So I immersed myself into taking writing classes. 
my brother was, you know, in his first season on Jamie Foxx show. But for me, I didn't feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go work over there because I was like, no, you got to earn that. You got to work your way. And I didn't expect him to go fire people on the show so his sister could come on. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll make my own way. Mm-hmm. But that first season, the opportunity to come and pitch for freelancers, that opened up. Mm-hmm. And I took it very serious. I came in there with 10 stories. They usually say come in with like five. I came in with 10 stories. Mm. And I didn't pitch to my brother. I pitched to Larry Wilmore. Larry. Larry Wilmore. I pitched to Benny Richburg and one other producer. And they ended up actually buying one of my stories. Mm. So sometimes they may say, well, we'll just give you a story. They bought my story. It was called The Young and the Meatless. Mm. And um, so that was was good for me. And I had uh, gone through the uh, writer's boot camp. And I had written uh, my, my probably fifth draft of a Seinfeld spec. I was doing everything I needed to do business-wise to get myself in position to be a working writer. And a friend of mine had sent my spec to an agent, unbeknownst to me, Michael mm. Jogway, rest in peace. Michael Jogway. Yes, mm. moment for Michael. He sent my script to this agent named Dino Karloftis. And Dino read my script while he was at Sundance and he called me and he said, I would really love to meet with you um, to see maybe if we can do this thing, this representation thing. So then I took a meeting with him. I got a call from ICM. I mean, you know, some energy was happening. Oh, and I, I had been accepted into the Warner Brothers program. So I probably. The Warner Brothers Writers Program, there were probably about 800 applicants that year. And so I was one of 35 that got accepted. So mm-hmm. when you start building energy around your name, you know, yep. you're supposed to work that that energy. You're supposed to work that plateau while it happens. And so that's what happened. So I ended up signing with Dino and, um, you know, wrote the episode of Jamie Foxx. It was amazing. It was fun. And then one of my contacts from my colleagues from BET when I worked in D.C., uh, moved to LA because BET had just bought the rights for 10 romance novels wow. from Kensington Publishing that they were going to turn into movies. So that experience in DC actually was a good thing mm. because those relationships, right? Right, right. So they called me and I ended up getting um, to write one of the films. I wrote um, a movie called After All, I wrote the, the early drafts of it, After All. And so that was good. I had a little bit of money in the bank, but but I still wanted to get on staff. Mm-hmm. And I was in struggle mode. I did some temping. I, I, I'm kind of jumping around, but I, temp, I did a lot of stuff. And I, I tempt, and I had said I would never temp again. Never say never. <laughs> okay. okay. When you come back to LA, I don't care what Emmy nomination you have. I don't know, care what credits you have. For me, I wanted to stay open so I could take meetings. So I tempt and I tempt on Paramount's lot. Mm, that was ex- no, that was excruciating because mm. I was running into people, my colleagues and uh, friends who were writing on shows. And mm. but it was it was humbling. Humbling, yes. Mm. You had to, you had mm. to just humble yourself. And um, what happened? I mean, I remember I got to a point where even the temp temp work was running out, and I said, God. You know, if this is supposed to happen, this was before I got the movie. That's what happened. Okay. 
if I'm supposed to be writing in this business, I need you to let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to go <laughs> use this college education. And- <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I had got down to just my last couple of dollars. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had to drive to the meeting to take the meeting for that movie that I was talking about. And I probably had maybe $2 in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And I was stressed because I didn't know how I was going to keep, you know, my phone on and stuff. Mm -hmm. Stuff was happening. Like real world stuff. Mm -hmm. But I had to fake it and go into this meeting. Mm -hmm. Right? And I remember, I just said, God, if it's your will, and my t- my story, I say the ATM story at testimony because to get money out of the, the ATM, you have to have how much money? At yeah. least twenty. At least twenty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come on, somebody. And mm-hmm. I had seventeen something, so I couldn't even, <laughs> I couldn't even go to the ATM. <laughs> driving my little BMW, <clears throat> a quarter of a tank of gas to get to this studio. And I went to the meeting, kept my game face on, pitched them the the my angle on how I would do this because it was a it was an adaptation mm-hmm. of a book, so that's a whole nother layer. Yep. And before I knew it, the before the meeting was over, the gentleman's assistant came in the room with a folder for me, and it had a deal memo in it, and it had an envelope in it. Mm-hmm. I was like. I smell money. I think. Does <laughs> <laughs> it say more than twenty dollars? Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> With my two dollars in my pocket and my seventeen ninety five in the bank, I was like, "If it is two hundred dollars, I'm gonna be really happy." And yeah. I kept my game face on, and I was like, "Okay, you know, obviously, I need to let my attorney look at this." And da da da. I get, I you know, calmly take the folder and I walk off the studio lot and stay very calm. Then I had to open that envelope in the mm. middle of a walk, a yes. crosswalk, and it was several thousand dollars uh, nice. that they were giving me to commence for commencement to start on this project. That's just the oh. start. Just, yes. yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. so what I'm saying is when you ask God to give you a sign, mm. <laughs> he gave me that sign, and I was like, okie dokie. Yeah. All right. I was. I mean, I had so many tears in my eyes. I needed windshield wipers. I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you. I was a hot mess, but honey, I was happy. because was, was a happy tears. Uh, my okay. favorite tears. It was a week before Christmas, too. So I already determined everybody's going to get a letter for Christmas. Yeah. That's what, you know, it was just that crazy. So. So that was a game changer. And then so so now we're going into 99 and I, that first quarter of the year, I'm working on that movie. But I still I wanted to get staffed. I wanted to be on a show. I wanted to be, a, right. you know, and so lo and behold, my mentor, that show, oh. Moesha, they did an episode that was going to be their backdoor pilot uh, guest starring this woman named Monique. And, mm-hmm. and Sarah invited me to come to the taping of that show mm-hmm. and the energy there I was like I'm getting on this show I just mm-hmm. knew it I was like I had said I was moving back to work on Moesha that didn't happen mm-hmm. I said I'm going to work on this show and then um, you know a couple months go by and I guess they got the pickup to do the pilot mm-hmm. well, no, that was back to pilot the, the show I guess got picked up and I got this call. Usually your agent will call you. Sarah called me 
person, you know, personally, she called me directly on a Sunday and said, Hey, we're meeting with some writers this week. Would you be available to come in and meet? I'm like, let me check my calendar. Yes. Before she got off the phone, you'd be knocking on her exactly. front door like, but well, you have some time to knock, knock, knock. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like the cut to. I'm there. Now I have studio. So she called me directly. And I said, here we go. And so at that time, you know, black writers worked on black shows. I mean, there were, there were, I mean, there were black writers who were working on other shows. Saladin Patterson was working on Frasier, shout out to him. But for the most part, if it was a black show going on, that was the opportunity that we had, which that's sad. And so when I got to that meeting at Paramount, where I've been pimping, um, everybody in the lobby was filled with all these writers. Most of them I knew, mm. and um, all I knew was I. It wasn't a cockiness, but I had my pink chucks on, my good luck chucks. You were to go. <laughs> the good luck chucks. You want to battle me? Like this, you know. Hey, I, good to see y'all. But I was in my mind. I was like, I'm getting a seat at that table, and I went in and I met with Ralph. And with Sarah and with Vita. Wow. And um, I came out of there and I felt good. I said, I know I have a seat at this table. And that's what kind of kicked it for me. And the next thing I know, I got a call from my agent. And I was at home and I was struggling because I was like, maybe I don't get a seat at the table. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't called me yet. And I remember God told me, he said, go take a walk. You're tripping. Get out of the house. And I went and took a walk that day, walked around my neighborhood. It was a beautiful day. I came back home and I was rejuvenated. And do you know, I sat on the couch and my phone rang and my agent said, well, and he sounded like kind of down. He's like, well, you know, I'm sitting sitting mm. here in business affairs and we're looking over this contract that you're being offered. And I couldn't hear anything else because yeah. I started screaming. Yeah. I had been offered. Why are you going to get me teary out? I love okay. that. Yeah. Okay. So that, I mean, that was a long story, but that was so that was my Beautiful. first staff job. Yeah. And my first staff job lasted for five years. We were on for five seasons. We did 110 episodes. Mm -hmm. I wrote 10 of those 110. I went from staff writer to producer. I, I did all the steps, staff writer, story editor, executive story editor, co-producer, producer. And it was the most amazing journey of my life to this time. It was one of my favorite jobs and cut to this Wednesday or this Thursday, October 1st, the Parkers comes to Netflix. Yes, it does. I am waiting. That's huge. So commercial free, get your laugh on. So yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So that was a long story, but I always tell that story. because you gotta, you know, if you're willing to do this, you gotta ride or die. You gotta be willing to. Whew, yeah, you gotta go. Mm -hmm. You gotta go through your struggle season. You gotta go. Right. I, I appreciate you saying all that. Like I said, I have Rich on here. Rich, Rich, Rich is doing what you, you know, you're living the career he would love to be doing. You know, mm -hmm. and. And so I wanted Rich on so we could hear the shit wasn't easy. You no. know what I mean? I no. just, it, it's just so important. And what I love about this, and the same thing just happened to Rich, where he just recently signed with a really big agent. Mm -hmm. And the struggle in the last few months that he went through, mm -hmm. he felt like maybe I should just give this up. 
-hmm. And usually that's when it comes. God is like, you sure? I'm going to test you to the peak. You'll be right here at the door. The door about to open and then you turn around. No, you cannot do that. No. Let me, this is what I always say. If you go to bed with it, like with an idea or with this vision or this dream and you wake up and that dream's like, hello, would you like some coffee? <laughs> Hi, what's going for breakfast? Vision's just right there. Like, you, then that you're, you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to walk in that calling. Mm-hmm. And now there are so many, I think so many more avenues you, besides network and cable, you've got all these streaming. So streaming services. So the opportunity is there. Definitely. You to say something rich. Uh, no, no, I, I have a question, but I haven't thought of the right framing for it yet. Sorry. Oh, wait. Okay. It'll come to you. Frame yeah. the question, Rich. Ask your question. Yeah, you just, just ask it. We yeah, so, so that was, you know, that was fun. And then right after that, I ended up getting to write, um, on one-on-one, Unetta Boone. Yeah. Relationships, rest her soul to, I mean, Unetta right. Boone. And I had worked with Bill Bowyer for the past five seasons on the Parker. Mm-hmm. And now he was a co he was a UP on one one We were all a part of that Monday night UPN Black Monday lineup. One-on-one. <laughs> yes. The kids are like, what's UPN? <laughs> I know, exactly. It's the not for the Gen Xers out there, United Paramount Network. It was one of those networks where I say they build their network on our backs. Us pony grows. That's what we used to call it. That. Yeah. That was, that was Tyler Pratt. Okay. They, they build it up. Yeah. That was Tyler Pratt starting that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah, so that was another one of those shows. We we did really, they did really well. And so, yeah, I ran into Unetta one night at Mr. Chow's oh. in Beverly Hills. And she was like, stay high. That was all. Unetta <laughs> <laughs> was loud and unashamed. Just, just like her, dude. Okay. <laughs> right. No, she was like, hey, girl. And I was like, what's up, Unetta? And she was like, look, I'm going to get you in here, girl. I'm going to get you in. I'm going to get you in there to write a script for us. And, you know, look, okay. I'm not, no pressure, but thanks. And it wasn't that season. It wasn't the next season. But mm. the next season after that, Bill Bowyer was there, who I had just worked with. Mm. And she was like, we want you, Bill and I both want you to come in and write this, this script. And I didn't even have to come in and pitch. They were like, we're just giving you the episode. Nice. Favor. Mm-hmm. Nice. It was favor. Um, so yeah, just writing. And then I took a detour and did some writing for the image awards. Wanted to try a different style of writing for live TV. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, expanding your creative portfolio Agreed. as I, you know, don't let people box you in. So I, I wrote literally for five seasons on the image awards. That was great. And, um, then the writer's strike happened. Right. Right. And we were out of this, we were out of work. Folks yeah. losing everything, houses, marriages, cars, dogs. <laughs> That's true. Agents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really bleak. And it was around that time, right after that, that my brother, who had been doing real estate, he started doing, making a whole lot of money flipping real estate. That, you know, 2008, that happens. The mm-hmm. housing market. So his, that whole thing shut down. Yep. It was struggle city. It was struggle time. And Bentley, 
And I separately had gotten invitations. This was after Tyler Perry finally decided to pay writers, writers guild wages. Mm -hmm. And so they were doing this thing where they were bringing a lot of writers from LA to Atlanta. Bentley had gone on one occasion and then I, I ended up getting invited to come and Mm -hmm. I I actually wrote uh, an episode. I didn't even watch meet the Browns. (laughs) When my agent called and said, they asked if you could write a Meet the Browns. I was like, let me go home this weekend and exactly. the show. And I came up with an episode that I thought was really funny and cute. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, they ended up um, reaching out to my agent and said they wanted to buy my script and they wanted to fly me to Atlanta mm. for the okay. week to come and table my script. So that was in 2009. So, you know, things were opening up. And so I got to fly and go to Tyler Perry Studios and do that. Mm-hmm. And I ended up coming back another uh, about two months later and wrote some episodes of, of House of Pain. But I knew I wasn't moving to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But things were opening up. And it was during that time, Bentley was like, um, you know what? I'm going to do my own show. I'm going to create a show. Mm-hmm. And he was like this mad scientist at home in his office. He was like, he had, t- he had written like six episodes. He's like, you want to write one? I was like, uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> And um, it wasn't called Love That Girl. It was actually just a no-name project. And we were trying to get another, there was another actress that was going to be attached to it. Mm. And that fell through. And so we started coming up with names of who we could attach to this. And and Tatiana Ali's name came up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was, you know, she was mm-hmm. the grown-up Ashley Banks. She wasn't little Ashley Banks from Fresh Prince. Exactly. You know, Tatiana had graduated from Harvard. You know, she was grown and sexy. Gorgeous. <laughs> yes. uh, and so, it, long story short, we built this show, and everybody doubted it. They said, mm-hmm. you guys can't do it. We're like, we're doing it. We, you can't tell us we can't do it, and we're in the midst of doing it. Yes. You know, you know the story, Hill. And Bill. Yes. Raphael Sadiq is the one that told my brother. He was like, Bentley was talking to him about green lighting. And Bentley, and I think Raphael Sadiq, who's a family friend, he was like, So what's going on? How come you're not doing anything? And he said, Well, you know, you got to wait for the studio to green light you. And so he explained what the green light was. And so. Raphael asked him, he said, so you mean to tell me if you were at a, I should let Bentley tell the story, but it's really, he says, if you were at a cross section in the middle of the night, just Mm -hmm. you and another car or just you (laughs) just stuck on red, you going to sit there until the light turns green or you going (laughs) to just go and a light bulb went off in Bentley's head. Uh, And our father, who is a entrepreneur from the day we were born, that entrepreneurial spirit kicked in mm-hmm. and um, my brother's will started turning. And so he wanted to do the show and I came on board with him I, and I helped him develop the show. We, Raphael had the album. He had the song, love that girl. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and for me, I started thinking back on old shows with single, single women. Right. Thinking about like that girl. Right. And Bentley's inspiration was, um, um, the Mary Tyler Moore show, that was also an inspiration of mine. So thinking mm-hmm. that girl, Mary Tyler, and then Ray had this song, Love That Girl. Hey, let's call it Love That Girl. And that's how that happened. Okay. And so we ended up doing, so we shot four independent episodes in the back of his studio. Raphael mm-hmm. was getting ready to go on tour to 
Paris and some other places. He said, you guys can use this warehouse in the back of my recording studio. It was about 3,500 square feet. We came in and bought and, and basically build a bar- built a barn and had a show. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Literally. That's yeah. how you do it. That's yeah. how you do it. You start okay. thinking, all the walls on her set, everything's fake. So <laughs> we can build this. Right. This is Bentley, Bentley. And then his partner, Trent, was like, let's go to Home Depot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, okay. let's get the stuff. My, my sister-in-law became a family affair. My sister-in-law had interior design um, you know, experience. And so she became the set designer. And mm-hmm. my nephew, Niall, who was an executive producer on Wild Out, but before that, he was like, I'm down. Everybody was down to just come right. and work. It wasn't Niall about Kirchner. Paper. Huh? Niles Kirchner? No, Niall Evans. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry for interrupting. I apologize. No, that's okay. And so um Niles Kirchner sound that doesn't that sounds Jewish. Is he Jewish? Niles no, no, he's just black. Black guy. Oh, black oh, I've never heard of him. Okay, so anyway, make a long story short. We pulled furniture out of our own houses, candles, anything we needed, art, it was all went on the set. Because right. we didn't have a budget to... You pulled on. your resources together. Okay. That's what I always yeah. tell people to do. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Get that pillow off that couch. Get that yeah. coffee if you need to bring her. <laughs> and so we built a set and we shot four episodes and independent. Mm-hmm. Billy will tell you the, the details, the, yeah. the investment money and all that kind of stuff. But we shot those four and then he got his Oscar Michelle on mm. took those four episodes and started going around and, you know, talking to different networks. And lo and behold, TV one, which was still very, fairly new. And they were not even remotely thinking about doing original scripted programming. But there was an executive there, a vice president who had been at CBS and he understood I guess the value in bringing some original programming, scripted mm-hmm. programming. And that's what happened. They ended up doing a try before you buy deal, kind of like what Tyler did. But Bentley was like, look, just take these four episodes. And he says, if they, if it performs the way that you need it to perform in terms of ratings and things, then that's you guarantee cool. me this amount, right? right, right <laughs> and right. you got then, then we, we need our first season. Right. And, and so they took those four episodes and they programmed them however they wanted put them on during the week, put them on on the weekends and their ratings went through the roof. So it was undeniable. And so, yeah, so that's how we got on TV one and we did our first couple of seasons. And then we took this dip and this hiatus. And then out of the blue, they called us back in 2013 and we ended up doing 35 more episodes. So we have like 65 episodes of TV one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, TV one of love that girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, then after that, that machine was going and we did the same uh, formula with family time mm-hmm. and independently shot like six episodes of family time. Mm-hmm. Then there was this network that came about, you know, bounce and they mm-hmm. bought the show. And so that's what was happening. It was yeah. like, we were trying to stay employed. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Trying right. To our family and tell good stories. Right. Yeah. But see, that's, and that's what I love about, you know, you guys, you and your brother in particular is that's, I mean, that's like thinking toward the future. Yeah. Um, was that Byron Allen who does all of that with the reality yeah. shows? Yes. It's like you make a show, 
You, you shoot about 10 to 12 or 15 of them, and then you sell those suckers to all different places, and you just sit back and you get $10 here, $20 here. But the more those suckers start to build up, that residual income is coming in from everywhere. And they go from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands to millions. You know what I mean? So I just think it's brilliant. Well, with that, you you start learning as a producer, you learn the licensing game. So yeah. that's a whole nother thing. It's now it's not about pitching. Mm -hmm. This is what we talked about when you were in the writer's room with us. Mm -hmm. It's not about pitching. I said pitching is passe and some it's, it's about presenting the vision. Presenting. You can it. come in and pitch your story or you can come in and say, I have six episodes of a story. Would you like to see them right. then? Because then that's a content game because content is king. And in order for networks to thrive, they need constant content, mm -hmm. especially these streaming networks. They ha always have to replenish that top shelf, right? You don't want to go on Netflix and see the same old movies every week. You want to go or TV shows. You want to see that top shelf replenished. Right. And so content is the key. So if you have content, that's a different conversation. You are no longer pitching. Mm -hmm. You are presenting the vision. Then we're talking about, let's get down with a licensing agreement. Mm. So that's a whole different. I'm, I'm really glad I'm talking to you about this right now. Yeah. We, just, we just shot two episodes of this anthology series that I am sure running and producing. And, and um, so our next step, now that we we're finishing post, we're doing all that. We're like two weeks away from going out to present. I love how you're using that. That's there you it. go. There you That's go. It. I, I wish you huge. You know, I'm big on anthologies. I love anthology series. All right. I had a dip develop. I had a deal. I got a pilot deal. I shot an episode. I shot a pilot for um, an original um, rom-com anthology that I had called in full bloom. And mm -hmm. I shot it. I, I uh, did crowdfunding, raised some money, shot it, and I ended up getting a pilot deal with BET by right. back in 2015. So I'm big on anthologies. Yeah. All right. I'm, we'll be I'm in a position. I'm in a position now with a, a pilot that Hilliard's read um, that has gotten me a couple option deals. And uh, recently I've met with a producer who I thought was going to put me in contact with like an agent. And he was like, oh, no, like I want to independently produce this ourselves. And so now I'm at that point where it's like, it's like, do we do I do I independently produce this show or do keep going down the traditional route? Uh, I guess so it's that's what I'm trying to work out with my agent now. Uh, and not step on their toes, but at the same time, it's like, where do I want to put that energy? You know, not step on their toes. Not step on their toes because they set up the meeting. They set up the. No, uh, like I, it was a personal meeting, like the personal, like a personal relationship I built with said produ the producer. Yeah. Um, and but for them, it's like uh, they want to like grow that show the more traditional route with packaging and oh. going out pitching it and stuff. So I was just like. That's the thing. Once you involve your agent, they always want to make it bigger. They always want to make it bigger. Yeah. They have to be careful with the packaging thing. That's why yeah. they're. <laughs> that's yeah. why. Uh, they're 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 being careful in how they're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> but they signed the. Uh, the they signed the agreement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Cool. They call it. They called it a strategic partnership. And strategic mentorship. That's what they're calling. Is that what they're calling it? Okay. Mentorship to work with someone who, who's very, um, very experienced in this style of comedy that I would benefit from working with. <laughs> <laughs>
or the person could benefit from your original vision and your ingenuity. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. That's what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay. What what is right for you, what your soul is telling you, and also business-wise, what's going to be the best outcome for you. I wish you guys well. I want to. We can talk off of this. I want to know. I have a quick question for you. Are you? Because I'm getting. Because you know I'm the co-chair of the Black Committee and a bunch of other stuff at the Writers Guild. Yes. I get a lot of showrunners hit me privately, going, "Hey, I can't really put this out, but I'm looking for a black female co-EP who does comedy, you know, or an EP or whatever." Like 99% of them are like your level. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They want they want a showrunner or whatever. Are you getting those calls now? It's um starting to pick back up now. Okay. Because I, I would because I would assume I'm knowing that you're always busy. Of course, maybe that's probably why you may not always be on certain lists that I see. Because I'm going, where the fuck is Stacy? <laughs> you're the first person I think of, especially when it's comedy. I appreciate I mean, that. No, I you mean know, it 100. percent You know. Well, I appreciate that, but you know what? I have to, I'm working on some new samples and stuff because you gotta you know you gotta stay fresh out there, and so I'm working on some new samples, and I'm so glad that you say that, but. Um, you know, Lena Waithe and, and Ketchy mm-hmm. Carroll and Erica um, Johnson, they started a group years ago called BWB. And it was just yeah. a small black network, women. Black yeah. Women Brunch. And right. we started it just as a brunch in, in Ketchy's living room. And it's grown to now probably hundreds. Almost a hundred, yeah, yeah, at least. Yeah. And, you know, you know um, Hollywood Reporter did this whole two-page expose on us and stuff, basically saying, here are 26 black female writers. So right. you cannot say you can't find anymore. Right. And so within our group, there's a lot of, we share a lot of good leads. And so right. that's, that's a blessing. But yeah, I, I want to be on those hot lists, Hills. So mm-hmm. thank you okay. for keeping my name out there. And I have got, I got a call um, last week for a potential project. Right. And like I said, this animation world is opening up for me. Right. I got the Madagascar, right? Yeah, I did Madagascar. Oh, it was so fun. Madagascar, a little wild. Mm-hmm. It is currently streaming on Hulu and it's doing so well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so now I'm kind of in that DreamWorks mix and the mm-hmm. way they kind of work is a little different. It's, they're very cool. It's it's different than, you know, mm-hmm. half just regular half hour and drama. It's just like once you're in their mix, they'll call you for any of their projects. So I'm looking right. forward to that. And then I'm also um, signing the ink. I can't really talk about it, but it's another animation project that I'm gonna be um, working on. And I'm really excited about that. Cool. And, uh, so I like that world. I like I like animation, especially <laughs> working from home. And now this is the whole, this is the new paradigm for writers, what mm-hmm. we're doing right here right. online. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, I've what been Start. Make that shift from live action into animation. Wait, say it again. Say again. What led you into making that shift from live action into animation? So that article that I was featured in in the Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it was like a ton of a floodgate. The floodgate started opening where I think um, showrunners and and studios and networks that wanted to they wanted to staff black women. <laughs> yeah. That art, I think that article was the impetus for people to say, okay, let's let's really push. And so one of the members in our group got a call 
from the sh creator of this, this Madagascar project. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, we really like to meet with um, any African-American writers. We don't know, you know, they were honest enough to say, we don't know any, a lot of the animator, um, black female animation writers. Right. I felt like that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. And so she put the word out and I answered the call. I had Nan Nary <laughs> experience. But I had written a children's book years ago called yeah. Coco Princess. The Coco Princess. Coco Mm -hmm. And I uh, experienced writing family type of sitcoms and things of that sort. And I had written an original pilot. It was mm -hmm. a family sitcom. So I, we just sent over that and a digital copy of my book. And the next thing I know, they called me in for a meeting. Mm -hmm. I go in for a meeting. They're like, we love your book. We love. So the fact that I was able to write for like a four to seven mm -hmm. audience. Um, that, that did something for them and they liked my original, um, pilot. So it didn't have to be an animation pilot. They just wanted to see right. you know, your ability to tell story. And then, you know, you get that meeting and they want to see who they're going to be working with. That's the whole thing with staffing, you know, mm -hmm. what your energy is like. And, okay. and, um, and so that, and that's how I got the job. Awesome. So it was a freelance gig. So mm -hmm. it was like, the way they work there is like they don't have a big staff. They have like the creator and the co-exec producer and they right. have maybe one story editor and then they call in a team of, of uh, freelance writers. And so we all came in for this big story forum meeting. We're pitching and things of that sort. And the next thing I know, I got a contract to mm. write one of the episodes. Nice. And so you go in and you work with the writing, their writing people, their producers and stuff and and you talk about storyboards and the world of these characters. So that was really fun. So now that I'm, now that I've dipped my toe in that pond, I'm <laughs> an animation writer. So right. I love it. Make that money. Exactly. By any means necessary, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe in multiple streams of income. So I agree. <laughs> like I'm directing, I'm writing and directing a documentary I've been doing for five years on a surf band from the 60s, all white band from Beverly Hills, coming back 50 years later to make a new album. You what? know, and, and, and when I tell people that I'm writing this, or writing and directing this project, they're like, what? And I go, and I've met every big surf person who's alive today, from Jan and Dean to the Beach Boys to everybody, you know? Wow. Yeah, and, and so I'm saying that because what? you, you got to be able to pivot your life. Sure. You know I mean? Yeah. And so, if you write, you write. You can, yeah. you know, if it's, I mean, writing animation scripts is just like writing a single camera script. The format's the same. You just, it's a little bit more detailed because you always have, you obviously want to give your, the, the animators the visual, what yeah. they're going to see. So it's kind of nice that, that you're doing that. But as far as you doing this surf genre, I love that. I love it. I mean, it's like, don't box me in, bro. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've been fascinated with the black surf community, yes. especially. And yeah. I, are you a surfer? Oh, my God. She yes. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So the Black Surf, what's the organization? I had reached there's a, out. There's a, there's a bunch of them, but there's one up there that's in Santa Monica, Black Girl Surf. You should oh. check them out, Black okay. Girl I, Surf. 
I heard about them. There was this this um, ad for American Express years ago, and it had this black girl surfer, and that's what got me. I was like, ooh. And so I started doing the research on the black surf movement, especially here in Southern California. Yeah. And I reached out to the guy who had found, I forgot his name. Um, this was 20 years ago. Mm. But I still am really fascinated with that. So for you to talk about that hill, I love that you're doing that. But there's so Stacey, many stories out there to tell. Stacy, you should check out the, it's on Amazon. You can get, I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's called Whitewash. And basically mm. it gives you the history of black surfing. And the first black surfer uh, was a black Mexican up in LA and Santa Monica at the Inkwell. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's called it's called Whitewash and it gives you a good um, little history and it'll probably give you some names of a bunch of people um, that are still doing it. But okay. it's on Amazon. Now you're in my lane. I just wrote that down and mm -hmm. I I know who the, that surfer is that you're talking about because um, I'm also really fascinated with telling the story about Bruce's Beach. Yes. So, oh, yeah. And, yes. You know, the Black Inkwell in Santa Monica yes. all my life and never knew the Black Oh, girl, listen, listen. I used to go up to Venice Beach and Santa Monica, and yeah. it wasn't literally to like maybe, I want to say like maybe 12 years ago that I realized that there was an ink. Because, you know, we, we think the Inkwell, we always think of Martha's Vineyard yeah. and not realizing that we had you know, one. there was this. Yes, we had one right there. And they finally, I think in 2012, I want to say, they finally mm -hmm. put a plaque to commemorate um, the Inkwell and also the the gentleman who was the first known black surfer mm -hmm. in the United States, you know, right there and right where we right where you guys are, you know, right there. And I've seen it and stumbled, you know, passing one day. I finally did see it. But mm -hmm. that's amazing. Well, I know we're getting off on this surfer thing. That's a story that I want to tell. And so, so my, so my point is, okay, I've done sitcom, I've done comedy, I've done animation. And, you know, at some point I, I will pivot and maybe do a drama or do something mm -hmm. about that because I think our stories are important to tell period. Yes. Um, yes. So I'm going to definitely be um, ordering whitewash and I'm going to, be reaching out to you, Miss Lisa, to talk oh, a little God. bit. Oh, God. Yes. Co-write that one. That's a co-write. Yes. It's, like, it's, it's one of my <laughs> things that I've, I've loved to do. And I think, you know, and I stopped surfing um, relatively young because I had like a bad surf accident. And so I didn't <laughs> start sticking to boogie boarding. But I've always loved it. And, of course, I'm from San Diego. It's beach culture. And, okay. and one of the things I just always kind of missed out on was I thought if there were only other black people doing this, I think I would have like really kept and gone a little further with it. Mm -hmm. But the fact was before social media, we are there, these pockets of black people everywhere. And we just, you know, just kind of missing each other. And so there's a ton, there's a ton now of new black organizations. Like there's um, Brown Girls Surf, which is an organization, I think they're back East where they get black and brown girls to get surfing, um, the Black Surf Association. So there's these different groups that are kind of like, proliferating this there's the one sister if you go on youtube and look her up she's the first black girl surfer in senegal and the sister here from and the first the sister here who did who created black girl surf is one of her mentors and actually brought her up here to santa cruz and she had told girl you need to get out there with them white boys and do what you need to do so that girl went back and now she's like the co uh one of the co-owners of black girl surf in africa there's a sister in jamaica 
who has a whole black surfing family and they're doing the same thing, bringing black women into it and black girls and stuff. There's brothers it. who are, we're there's everywhere. There's a documentary in this too. There's ready. a document, it's a movie really, but it's like, we're, we're everywhere and it's, yeah. and, and it's, they're just now connecting. And I think, you know, you know, it's timing. Sometimes you're meant to just to be like, you know, we talked about earlier, sometimes just the idea sprouts and it doesn't really come to fruition until years later. But what's exciting now is like, okay, I'm discovering them. I'm reading all these new books. Like I just, what I was told Hillary earlier when I go down to TJ, it's like, I got all these surf books and it, you know, they mainly deal with white people, of course, mm-hmm. but the black people were out there and it's just now realizing that, yeah, someone's got to tell that story. And luckily, yeah. um, whitewash came out a few years ago. Um, cause I think it was a, a GoFundMe thing and then they raised the funds and, finally put it out but that's a good start for it but what I'm excited is is I'm just ready to go back out again like I was so inspired to seeing all these sisters and young brothers doing it it's like you know what Lisa you got clunked in the head you got a little (laughs) you got a you got a permanent bald spot because you're a pretty bald spot get your butt back out there and do it again because it's like it's such a beautiful sport and it's just so meditative and it's and there's a brother from Compton who does it yeah, oh I got said he he's amazing too. I'm just like, him. Yeah. yeah, and he there's just people who are just doing it, and we just we just don't know about them, you know. So he'll, see, Hillary, you're talking about your serve project, and look what you just did—you just sprouted all this. Oh, <laughs> yes, I mean there are so many stories to be told, and I will never, you know, I refuse to be put in a box. And oh, that's please, please don't, please don't, don't, don't box me in. I've had to assimilate all my life. <laughs> Right. So I can tell your story soon. Wait, say that one more again. Stacey, like, I can tell your story. And I'm not even trying to be funny with that. Seriously, the, I get I get asked by you know non-black writers, like, how do you write how do you write for black writers? And especially <laughs> now in this time oh, yeah. of civil unrest and People really are trying to be conscious of mm-hmm. it. I'm like, well, first of all, just tell the story. The rest of it is nuanced. That's it. Yes. The rest yes. of it is nuanced. And if you need to get you know, consulted or if you need some punch up, but just tell the story that you feel like you need to tell. So mm-hmm. sure. it's interesting. But um, yeah, I'm going to definitely be doing some research here. Um, I get so motivated when I just hear stories, these good stories. Mm-hmm. So like the animation project, I wish I could tell you what it is, but it's so ridiculously dope. I love it. And it's black people. Yes. And so now yes. I'm, I'm meeting these black people working in, who work in animation. Mm-hmm. One is a brother who created Spider-Man, the TV series. Nice. Who even knew that that was a black man that did that? Exactly. And now I've aligned myself with Black Women Animate. If you guys don't know about them, okay. get on it. Be that uh, Black Women Animate. This young sister Taylor Shaw started it, and I'm going to be speaking on their um, panel next month. And mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of pulling these worlds together, right? You um, know. We right. got to know that we exist. So, sure, yeah, sure. it's exciting times. Yeah. Right, right. Thank you, Stacey. We appreciate you coming on the show. Yes, it's finally. Been, it's only oh. been like, you know, since 2012 or some shit. I know. But, uh, I know. <laughs> we, we got our rant on today, huh? Yes, we did. We did. Thank you. 
There's I a lot of games in there. Learn so much, man. I did too. Thank you guys for having me. This has been a blast. Awesome. And you still look fabulous. So, you know, listeners who were talking about earlier. She a vampire too. She a vampire. She, she, I know, you know, and it's so funny because she got on there. I'm like, that kind of looks like Stacy, but is that like Stacy's younger sister? Like who? That's not, that don't look like Stacy. Is that Stacy? And it's like, so uh, Stacy, we're adding you to my list of people who um, I know are vampires. <laughs> and there's a lot of black Hollywood people who, when I see them, I'm just going to let them know that I know that you've been living a long, long time. And you're not, <laughs> and you're not fooling anybody. She's been 164 years old. No, 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 I'm really, I'm really 82 years old. Okay. <laughs> add, a, add, a, add a three to that. Add a three okay. to that. <laughs> we know it. You're not fooling nobody. Not fooling nobody. <laughs> I was here once before. <laughs> you guys are funny. I can rant with you guys forever. This is an amazing platform. Thank you for having me. And, um, I'll come back anytime and we can rant yeah. some more. Well, hopefully yeah, next I, time I, we'll be able to yeah. do it in person at my yes. office. A lot, and so. I would really love for you to talk about the animation again, you know, especially if <laughs> I can animate and really like get into that. Because I think, like you said, we're going to be looking for new types of content and animation is so freeing and animation can do so much. Like I've been like looking at old like Studio Ghibli stuff, you know, the Japanese animation yeah. and yes. kind of revisiting things that are kind of like uplifting and it's just something about a good animated movie that yeah. just, it can do for you what regular films can do too. And I just don't think that people realize that we're doing that too. And especially yeah. with black animators. So I tell uh, you, there is a there is such an army of young black animators out there. It just, I mean, it just makes my daughter, she's a freshman in college, but that's what she wants to major in. Mm. You didn't hear that back in the day. No. Oh God, no. You didn't hear that, but now the opportunities are there. And um, I really, I really encourage you guys and I'll put you in touch with her with Taylor Shaw, amazing young woman. Okay. And she is She is doing some revolutionary things in this industry to bring awareness. I'm, I'm talking, we were all on the top, the uh, penthouse, the, well, the rooftop of Cartoon Network two wow. years ago with a luncheon with Estelle. Singer Estelle, yeah. who's also the voice of Garnet on um, Steven Universe. Right, right. So it was like this whole new world of black girl nerd creatives and all up on this rooftop. I wish you could have saw that picture. So you definitely need to reach out to uh, Taylor. So that's mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you, Stacey. Where can uh, people find you on um, on uh Social media, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram. What you yeah, on? Instagram. You know what? I haven't been tweeting lately, but I am on Twitter. But my Instagram is Stacy Evans Morgan, S T A C E Y Evans Morgan, all one word. Um, on Facebook, to the number two S E Morgan, and on Twitter, I'm on S E Morgan. So real simple. That's right. Use my name for sure. Where you at, Richard Scott? <laughs> All right. Uh, at we are Richie for Twitter. Uh, Richard dot Scott ninety four. I don't know. I don't use Instagram. <laughs> I'm not using Facebook no more. I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you got the old soul, Richard. Okay. Oh, he do. He yeah, one of them youngsters that don't ever want to be on there. Look. Hilarious. <laughs> no, man. I want. I want privacy. I got. I, I got. I, I like. I got. I've had enough dumb things online, and so I'm trying to limit that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Social media is how I've gotten so many of my current um, current yeah. jobs. I will say that. So. Right. 
Absolutely right. <laughs> so Hillier, keep my name on the on the list. I'm sorry, keep oh, my absolutely. name on the list when you see him coming through. For yes. sure, for sure. I think you yes. saw me. There was something that came up within the last few months, and I'm, I think I tweeted your name first. I was like, Stacey Evans Morgan, duh. There was like something that came up. There was like some showrunner looking for uh, uh, an EP, co-EP level uh, comedy writer. And I, I tagged you in it going, duh, Stacey Evans Morgan. Like you ain't never heard of her. <laughs> like that type of thing. Hilarious. So that means I need to get back on Twitter because I have. <laughs> but, but I appreciate that because I have gotten some calls and, and you know, so everything's subjective. So, you know, they may have said, OK, well, we found somebody. But I mean, you know, I'm, it's nice that my name is still being thrown out there. So I appreciate mm-hmm. Where you at, Lisa? <clears throat> on Twitter at what fresh hell is this? Or though, like you, Richard, I haven't really been on the social media and like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird for you. Jesus okay, Christ. I know. I know. She's like one I, of those Twitter even, I know. I, even on my burner accounts, it's just been it's just been like a a haze. It's just like, you know what, let me just read my little surfer books. And I'm reading like I was telling I started last week, I'm reading one on the global surf world and there's a chapter all about San Diego and about a diva surf shop that I used to go to and didn't realize the impact on local women. So it's really about women and surfing globally. Mm-hmm. So it's like I really I'm I'm deep into it. I think I'm about halfway through it now. So just learning a lot of stuff and realizing like, man, like there's a lot of good stuff out there. And like mm-hmm. I said, Stacy, you know, and just seeing black people involved with that. Yeah. It's really it's really inspiring. And yeah. I realize, man, we are everywhere, everywhere doing this. And we just don't know it, you know? Right, right. right. You know, all you need is just to see somebody do it and then it's like, okay. There, yeah. that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. So. Yeah. If I was a little bit younger, I would do it. I mean, I went to high school. No, no, no. You don't have to be. Listen, listen. They have, <laughs> listen. They have surf camps right now. There's one that I want. We need to go to this one with me. Okay, I'll go. Listen, I'll it's in, I think it's in, is it Cabo San Luis? It's somewhere in Mexico. And it's a special one that's just for grown women. And okay. you go down there and they teach you how to surf. And that, that the, their model is bringing the girl back to the woman. It's okay. basically teaching you, and they teach you all the stuff. You're there for, it's a it's a women's camp. It's it just women, over your and and they teach you everything. And I, it's just I'm, and they have groups. Like I'm my down. dream, my dream is just to get a bunch of black women and just go do that because the mis- the misconception is that surfing is for the young, and it is mm-hmm. not. The old heads that are out there still now, they've been doing it for a long time. You can paddleboard. There's different types of surfing, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, once you get out there and you the first time you get pop up. And you feel that wave lift up, and you're on that. There's, it, it's the most surreal thing, and okay. that's ageless. That is ageless. So I never want to hear us saying, "Oh, you know, if I were younger, I would do that." There's no age with surfing. Well, as soon as I said that, I can't believe I said that because I am a daredevil. I mean, I still- and, and and you're a vampire, so I don't know what's the problem. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Okay, I don't know why I said that, but I do. I I still skate. I ski. I'll try. You know, I do ATV. I'll do all that kind of stuff. So I would definitely do that, and I love Cabo. So the let's do. I, <laughs> I'm gonna call it okay. <laughs> wait, you did not tell us what your handle is on Instagram. Oh yeah, it, it's uh, I it's what I think it's what fresh hell is this, Lisa? What fresh hell? Uh-huh. <laughs> this, Lisa. This Lisa. It's what fresh hell is this, Lisa? On on IG and on Twitter, it's what fresh hell is this? Awesome. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest or on Instagram. You can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. 
any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, anywhere there's a podcast. We are out there somewhere for sure. Um, Please check us out. We have a Patreon page. Um, You can, I think you can get to it from screenwritersrr.com. You can donate to that to support the show for like $5 a month or, you know, $200 a month, whatever y'all want to do to support the show. We appreciate it. And um, lots of good shit going on. Uh, we clearly missed Comic-Con this year because we're not there in person. Yeah. But next year, hopefully, we'd love to do a panel, a live panel there. So you might have to come, Stacey, and represent the comedy for us. Yes. Um, <clears throat> if we can get some shit set up Or there. the animated stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, whatever. So for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So mm-hmm. everybody join with us for Wakanda Forever. You guys know how we do it on the Rant Room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? What What kind of forever? I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the 